Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I am so excited to be here with Jonathan Shokrian the founder and CEO of Me Undies. Thank you for having me. What's up? What's your nickname? My close friends call me Shoke. Shoke, that's what it is. Yeah, but then every once in a while, random people will be like, hey, shock. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's kind of funny. That is funny. Because they're dumb or they're being funny? No, I think they just see the my social handle is Shoke. Right. Shoke one. So, right. So they don't know me well. They, they know it's a it. nickname. Mm-hmm. And they think they're like in the inner circle. That's like my sister. She has this Instagram called Healthy Alibi. But people who don't know her are like, healthy alibi, like <laughs> Albi or something. They, they're just very confused. But that's just... Instagram versus actually knowing someone, I guess. So how old are you and where are you from? 34 from Los Angeles. Cool. Love it. Yeah. I left uh, for six years while I was out in Dallas going to school. Oh, so so you went to school in Dallas. Yeah, I went to SMU. I never knew that you went to school in Dallas. Why did you choose Texas? I feel like that's so random for a Jewish Persian boy from LA. It was pretty random at the time. My family was buying some real estate out there. Mm-hmm. Surprise, surprise, real estate, Persian people. But, right, um, obviously. I was working for the family business at the time and then was looking to kind of get out of L.A. Mm-hmm. and found my way in Dallas managing real estate and then also kind of going to school at night as well. Awesome. Yeah. And what were you doing before you founded MeUndies? And we'll get to that in a second, the story of MeUndies. A lot of different things. Um, I mean, I think I always had a little bit of an entrepreneurial spirit. So for the very first thing I started to do at like 16, I took my cousin's electronic uh, distribution company mm-hmm. and I put it all on eBay. And we became a top 200 eBay seller pretty quickly. And then once he figured out how to run the business on his own, he kind of booted me. So it was like stark reality very early on right. in high school about... Wait, what What kind of stuff were you selling on eBay? TVs, mostly like plasmas. Mm-hmm. It's actually hard to figure out. So like if someone does figure it out, they end up doing really well. Yeah, at the time plasmas were like 20 grand. Mm-hmm. Now they're like a grand, but um, we were selling them at pretty disruptive prices. Right. So it, it scaled really fast and then he realized very quickly that you could hit the relist button and he didn't need me. There you go. That's... That's some family from real family <laughs> shit right there. So how old were you when you thought of the concept of MeUndies? So I was about 23, 24 years old. 
uh, when I first started to kind of think about it, I was leaving Texas. I was going on a two-week trip with my buddy Jonathan Neiman, who started Sweetgreen. And it was kind of through the process of planning for that trip uh, that I found myself at the department store trying to buy underwear from this old woman. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a terrifying experience. Right. And I ended up buying what I thought was the underwear I wear, get home, and they're like workout weird underwear. Oh, uh, God. The ones that like go down your knees. Right. And it was like a terrible experience. Didn't have enough underwear for this trip. Found myself with uh, Nemo. One of our first stops was in Amsterdam. And it was on that trip that I was just explaining to him the whole frustration and the process. And I was really inspired by by what he did at Sweetgreen. And they were a mission-based company, like amazing values. And Mm -hmm. He had already founded? Yeah, they had already Mm -hmm. started it. And I was looking for something like real estate for me was exciting, but I was kind of looking to create something that I was kind of inspired by. And I loved kind of doing day in and day out. And so that's kind of how, that was the aha moment and how Mm -hmm. it all kind of came about. That's very cool. And how did you think of the name? Well, it it was on that trip that I was like asking a lot of people about, you know, where they buy their underwear. Do they have enough underwear? How long do they hold on to their underwear? And in Europe, a lot of people refer to their underwear as MeUndies. So it kind of just like randomly. That sounds like almost Irish. Yeah, or Australian. Right. That's hilarious. <laughs> Wait, so speaking of me undies, I am the lucky owner of what is it called? Can you describe this exactly? Uh, well, that's a onesie. We just launched it last year. It's kind of uh, people are going crazy over it. Basically, it's very soft. It's the same fabric as the underwear, and you basically can drape yourself head to toe. People love doing like bar crawls in them. Uh, they're amazing. And we we come out with them in the same prints. So for St. Patrick's Day, Valentine's Day, all these holidays. I love it. We have adult onesies. Do you think I can wear it under my ski ensemble? I'm going to Aspen in a few weeks. I think so. I think Yeah, you, I, I think, think you, I'm fully going to do that. I think you could rock it. I'm going to be the coolest person on the mountain. So thank you for that. Let's get into it. I kind of want to hear a little bit about your... First of all, we'll start with your birthday, and then we'll get into your dating situation. When is your birthday? January 17th. So that is crazy. That's also, that's Michelle Obama's birthday. That is Michelle Obama's birthday. I think I knew that. Yeah. So that's a very powerful date to be born. I love it. Thank you. And kind of on the cusp between Capricorn and Aquarius, but I would say more Capricorn. More Capricorn for sure. Mm -hmm. My whole family is pretty much Capricorns. Really? Yeah. I actually have the same birthday as my mother as well. No way. Yeah. I wonder if there's something to be said about that, but what is your current relationship status? I'm currently in a relationship. I'm very happy. I love to hear it. And how did you meet? We met through the first employee at MeUndies. It was one afternoon. uh, It was, I think it was a Friday afternoon. I was leaving, about to leave work. Mm -hmm. And he said, I want to introduce you to someone. And he connected us over text. And we ended up going on a hike the next day, and uh, we kind of just hit it off. Obviously a hike. It's LA, yeah. Which, which trail? We went Runyon, but we went the hard, oh, hard wow. route. Hard okay, route. okay, fine. You redeemed yourself. And if you're comfortable, like, or tell me a little bit about this person. How long have you guys been together? I mean, it's fairly new because we only dated for a few months at the time. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of like went our own ways and did our own thing for a while. 
And then it was sometime around, I want to say October that we took a trip together Mm. and, you know, things kind of, we hit things back off again and we've been basically dating since. Love it. And when is her birthday? Don't fuck this up. Damn. (laughs) I don't know. I don't have to talk about it. Okay. Okay. But I know she was born in 91, so I can tell you that. Okay. That's... I'll take it. And I'll take definitely, it. Definitely, it's in the summer. What if her birthday was today and you didn't? No, know? I knew. I, I know it's a summer birthday. Okay, okay, that's fair. So you guys met through your friend, and you took a break. What was going on that you like needed time? I didn't need. I I didn't need any time. Mm-hmm. Um, she had just gotten out of a relationship, mm, that's and fair. I think it was just timing. Uh, right. I was looking for something a little bit more serious. Mm-hmm. She was looking to kind of take her time before she got back into a relationship. Timing really is everything. And before you met this woman, you were a dating, right? Like you were, were you on any apps? I, I've been on a couple dating apps, yes. Which ones? Which ones? I've been on Raya, Bumble, Tinder. Okay. And before you would go on these dates with these people, would you look them up on Facebook? Would you Google them? Ask your mutual friends? Or would you kind of just go in? Well, I think the apps make them pretty pretty easy now to kind of link your social uh, and kind of get a 360 of who you're going out with. Right. And so I, I would more or less kind of get an idea mm-hmm. of who I was going out with before. And, For sure. And a lot of times it, there would be a lot of mutual friends in common, so you almost felt like you knew the person. Mm-hmm. And you are Persian Jewish. Yes. So for everyone that doesn't know what it means to be Persian. Can you say in your own words? Because I don't think we've had a Persian guest before. Well, my parents were born in Iran. I was born in Los Angeles. And a lot of Iranians refer to themselves as Persians, as Mm -hmm. the era and the Persian Empire. And what does it mean for, like, culturally? Like, do you have Shabbat every Friday? Do you have to invite at least 400 people to your future wedding? Yeah, basically. <laughs> Shabbats are very important. I think it's just culturally family is very important. Yeah. Persians have very tightly knitted families, which mm-hmm. I think is beautiful. It creates a lot of great values. And yes, I think weddings as well. Mm-hmm. We like to go over the top and have a good time. Yeah. I think I've run into you at a couple of these weddings. Yeah, so I don't know how I did it, but I somehow finagled myself on the listserv for the Persian weddings. And... After going to as many Persian weddings as I've been to, I can't go to a regular wedding and have as much fun. I, I can totally see that. They're like, pretty over the top. It's They're just, like circus. Yeah, no, literally circus. It's like a rave, but you don't even need like drugs or even alcohol to have fun. Like because there's so much going on. The music by what's the guy's name? Like Gil Fuchs or whatever. <laughs> it's always the same DJ. <laughs> it's always the same food. Anyway, so that is cool. And Family obviously means a lot to you. I know you have a sister. Two sisters. Oh, okay. I've only met one. You met my younger sister. Right. And so you're in the middle. I'm a middle child, yes. Wow. That's very telling. (laughs) Explain. (laughs) The middle child, but tell me if I'm wrong, is usually like the voice of reason in the family. The older child and the younger child usually have... It's not that they have problems getting along, but they see things very differently because... The oldest was 
the one that kind of felt like the burden of like the kids and the family and like had to take care of the rest of their siblings. Whereas the youngest is like the favorite and like the parents like spoil them the most. So they have that. And then the middle is just kind of like chilling, you know, and sees everything as it happens. But I could be wrong. That's semi-fair. Okay. And would you say having two sisters made you act a certain way in a relationship? Like maybe a better? I definitely think I'm more thoughtful at times. Some may disagree, but Mm -hmm. um, I I think I'm pretty thoughtful. I'm also more on the emotional side, I think, Mm -hmm. which I, I actually like. Some people think it's a bad thing, but I think it's good to kind of... I don't think it's a bad thing. I wonder what your rising and moon sign are, but I doubt you've had a Zodiac chart reading before. No, not yet. No, but do you know what time you were born? I think it was in the morning. Yeah, like eight maybe. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to have to look it up. While I look this up, you mentioned that your girlfriend is born in 91. Oh my God. So that gives you a bit of an age difference. A little bit. Do you think that it shows when you have an age difference with someone or do you think that since you're a guy you know and like it is 91 okay (laughs) oh that says the birthday i just found her birthday yeah what is it it's uh june 24th 91 oh there you go she is a cancer that's a great match for you it feels it feels like it's been a great match. she's your opposite and opposites attract yeah we definitely are opposites in a lot of ways so she like basically has the personality traits that you desire and vice versa I think we balance each other out in amazing ways. Mm-hmm. Wait, but I just asked you something. Before. Oh, yeah, the age difference. So do you feel it in any way? Or do you feel like because guys kind of mature slower than girls, you know? Yeah, I, I definitely feel... I don't feel like there's a major age difference, to be honest with you. What Eight, year? 85. 85, okay. 8 a.m.? L.A.? L.A.? Um, yeah, you don't no, I don't. I don't it. really feel. I don't really feel like that. I think she, she's, she's definitely very spiritual, mm-hmm. um, and 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 helped that. me kind of become more spiritual right. through the process. And I think I was very fast paced, and she helped slow me down in a lot of ways. Oh wow! I just found out everything about you. Okay, so getting right into it, you're an Aquarius rising and a Sagittarius moon. Oh, but your Venus is in Pisces. So you're a very sweet, like tender person when it comes to romance and love. And like you really do believe in like fairy tale endings type thing. Some may say that. Okay. So I guess your Venus in Pisces just makes you a very caring lover. Like you would do anything for the person that you love, which is really nice. Let's see, your Jupiter's in Capricorn, that makes sense. Okay, so you have a lot of Capricorn in your chart. So you're right, you are very much a Capricorn. However, you are an Aquarius rising, so you don't come off like Capricorns usually do, you know? Which is what? Capricorns usually come off as like a little rigid and a little like dry, you know? But you come off as creative and intelligent and anxious to change the world. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I mean, you've met me a couple times now. Yeah, I never fair... I never would have guessed that you were a Capricorn. Not that I there's anything... I should take that no, as a... No, no, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just like how you come <laughs> off versus how you are. And then your moon sign makes you an idealist, which makes sense for your entrepreneurial spirit. And it says you captivate your friends and, and other people in your life by your interests and your convictions. Dope. I think that's pretty spot on. 
Yeah, I think that sounds about right. So what are you, not to like get too deep, but why not? What are you most proud of thus far in your 34 years? Wow, that's a loaded question. <laughs> uh, what am I most proud of? I'm definitely very proud of, of MeUndies. Mm-hmm. I think I, I hold the bar pretty high and I don't think I, I celebrate enough which is something I'm trying to learn to do more often, mm-hmm. which is kind of celebrate along the way. Right. Stop and smell the roses. Yeah. I think we we kind of look around too often and try and compare ourselves to other people versus just kind of focusing on our own growth and right. where we're at. Um, so I'm very proud of, of that. But I also have gone through like a lot of personal challenges in my life. I did nearly almost eight months in federal prison. So that was like definitely a challenge that I overcame that I'm very proud of. And it was an experience that I don't actually, I love talking about. Yeah. Let's be- unpack it a little because, bit. Because uh, it almost feels like, like it wasn't real. Mm-hmm. It was only four years ago that I got out, but it almost feels like a bad dream because it was relatively a short period of time mm-hmm. as traumatic of an experience as it was. So I like to kind of remind myself by talking about it. Uh, yeah, and bringing for sure. It up. What, happened in your words that ended up with you having to go to prison? Yeah, I mean, it was it was on it was a very honest mistake. Basically, we had a, a building in Texas and some people broke in through the roof to steal copper because mm-hmm. people were selling uh, scrap copper at the time. Mm-hmm. And we tried to just hire a couple guys to clean out the building that would come by our office pretty often asking for work. Mm-hmm. And we had our own crews and whatnot, but this was like a project that I wanted to get done relatively fast because the whole building had flooded. Right. And I really wanted to kind of impress my dad that when he came back in town the next time, care. it was like kind of all taken care of. Right. So unfortunately, like I was traveling a lot. I was seeing someone in New York and so I was spending a lot of my time out there on the weekends mm-hmm. uh, and the project kind of just wasn't being managed or kind of overseen by anybody and they started you know really kind of like improperly cleaning up the space and we didn't really do the proper reporting to see if there was like asbestos in the floor so I mean long story short there was asbestos in the building right how does it develop I don't even know that so it's like a it was used as a as an adhesive in the 50s and 60s so it was in a lot of construction material and the problem is there's some types that are non-federally uh, regulated, mm-hmm. which was the kind that we actually had. Right. Um, and then there's the type that is federally regulated. And it's like very complex for, I think, a 20-year-old uh, at that age kind of to understand, you know, one from the other. Right. But I had walked through the building with an architect. He said it was the non-regulated kind. And so I felt okay kind of you know, going forward with our project. Mm -hmm. But what I didn't know is that it becomes the regulated if you remove it in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And so the lack of oversight of the project kind of led to the guys using a couple different methods to try and remove the floor tile. Mm -hmm. Fast forward, the EPA and the federal government wanted to kind of teach a lesson. How did they find out about it? It it was on the news because of like, there was a situation that happened or one of the neighbors was complaining about the fumes from some of the machines and the mm-hmm. gasoline. Mm-hmm. It was one of the tenants right behind the space. Uh, so that kind of triggered, you know, a series of events that happened. And what was like a $1,000 fine 
ended up really turning into something much larger. And I think there were a lot of lessons learned there on how, A, obviously it could have been avoided, but even throughout the whole, pro- the whole process, it was about a five-year time period. And there were definitely moments that I feel like would have changed the course of where things landed. Mm-hmm. Conversations, you know, that got heated, that, you know, had they not gone down, so it's it's it was a, there were a lot of lessons I think to unpack there over the years that right. that I, I I like to kind of revisit for sure. And in terms of and the only reason I know this is because I was on a jury duty case about asbestos once. Isn't it true that if you yourself were exposed to it, then you could be like in you know in yeah. trouble health wise? Yeah, I mean, so I actually I was in this building the same as everybody else. Right. Uh, so. I mean, that was kind of one of my points when we were going through the trial. Right. Like, had I known, why would I go through this building? Exactly. But no, we, we've set up like monitoring and health inspections for for anyone that was kind of involved. Mm-hmm. And we've had scientific reports done. The exposure levels and the amount of time that was in like would never lead to anyone getting sick. For sure. Um, you would have to be in, in a building for, for a pretty long time right. with pretty high exposure. And mm-hmm. the amounts that were we're talking about were way below that good and so they found this out they wanted to you know make an example out of you and whatnot and then at what point did they say no fuck it like you have to go to jail and and why couldn't you get out of that yeah i mean it was really it was tough it came down to like the end and i had a decision whether i wanted to fight it and if I wanted to fight it, uh, I, had, I had a 50-50 chance of winning. And that sounds like good odds, but the downside was up to five years in prison. Wow. But on the flip side, if I pled guilty, which was the offer that they gave me, I could get up to zero months, which was probation, or up to two years. And they ended up landing somewhere in the middle, which mm-hmm. was a year and a month. So... I didn't quite get the two years, but I I really thought when I pled guilty that I would be given probation under the circumstances and the intent and whatnot. But I think, yeah, again, they wanted to kind of teach a lesson and, you know, it ended up kind of going down a different different way. And where were you? Well, I was in Texas, but I ended up going away in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And what was that like? Like, I, I... Personally, I feel so ignorant because, like, I cannot even imagine. And there's all these stereotypes, like, you drop the soap and there are the gangs. And <laughs> what was it like for you? No, it was, it was nothing like that, to be honest with you. It's, that's, that, well, for one, that's state prison that you kind of mostly see on TV. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a camp either. So it wasn't by any means like a country club prison, although some level of those do exist. But no, I mean, there were individual showers. I, I never felt unsafe while I was there. It very much feels like high school in a lot of ways. When you get there, you know, there's cliques and crews. And right. There's definitely a lot of politics and rules that you have to abide by. And honor and respect are very important. Like your word is very important there because everyone more or less has the same socioeconomic background once you're there. Right. Yeah, some people have more or less money on their books financially, but you're all just one basically inmate. So for that reason, your honor, pride, and you know your rep- reputation are very important, mm-hmm. which I actually think are, it's pretty amazing that 
somewhere in prison that that exists at such a high level. Yeah, for sure. And what would you say your day-to-day was like? My day-to-day was pretty intense. I would run up to nine miles a day. I had a, a trainer, actually, someone that would train me for an hour uh, in the weight, weight pile. That's what we call it, the weight pile. <laughs> um, and then I would, I would spend a lot of time writing. So I document, documented all 202 days, which I'm actually working on a book right now. That's um, very cool. Do you have a title yet? No, no title yet. Just it's like very, very early phases of what is of, the gist just like i fucking went to prison and no like, you i think learn. there's there's just a lot of angles like uh, obviously stepping away from a startup like meundies in in the midst of its like first mm-hmm. growth phase to go go away obviously coming from a very i i feel like i grew up in a bubble within a bubble right you know, being born in in beverly of hills course. more or less yeah. right in a persian jewish family like there's so many bubbles there and so to kind of go from that to a federal prison is is pretty stark yeah, uh, contrast course. but it's also the people that i met met while i was there and their stories that mm-hmm. i think are are really profound and moving and i i just feel like there's so many lessons for other people to learn through 100%. through the experience i would and, pick up this book yeah and and look people love reading like startup stories mm-hmm. uh, now like add a prison story to that. Yeah, and, I mean, I mean, it's. I think it's intriguing. A, there's going to be a movie. Who knows? Who knows? Knock on wood, but I really think that's true. So, what would you say if you could give us a teaser? But you can also obviously save it for the book. Is one of like the most eye-opening stories that you you know learned from one of the one of the people that you met there. I don't want to get into the details, mm-hmm. but there was a guy. His name was Greece, and he was pretty energetic, loud mouth, like, you know, all over the place. For sure. And I didn't really like him, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of like thought he was just pretty obnoxious. At first. Yeah, at first. And he, him, him and I got into a fight where he actually almost beat me up. Oh, and my God. It was like my first, like, almost prison fight and I kind of forgot where I was to be honest with you right I was like half asleep and this whole little situation went down and I totally forgot where I was and through that situation him and I actually became best friends there and we're still connected till today like you know he was texting me there's now funny enough there's these email forwarding text systems to where you can text prisoners um, no if way. you're on their approved list so we text and communicate almost every single day. He's actually helped us with some marketing campaigns. That's awesome. I was going to ask, so while you were away, were you how involved were you able to be in business at all? Well, technically, you're not supposed to be doing any business while you're away. So uh, we were definitely cautious not to like really violate any of the rules. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my team would update me via email on... I had Monday visits with one person from my office every week and they would, they would rotate between right. Noah, who was our first employee who also introduced me to my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. He would come one week and then our CEO would come the following week to visit me. Mm-hmm. And I would use that time to just kind of get updated and obviously just see how they're doing. Right. And what percentage would you say of the, the people that you met in jail were in there for the reason that they should be or like in there rightfully and had actually committed either these crimes or like 
Rather, what percentage did you think of these people who were in jail actually needed to be there? Yeah. Well, actually needing to be there, I would say probably a third of them could have probably not been there. Because so many of the cases were drug related. Mm. And I just think they were a lot of offenses where, I mean, I don't know how many of them were excuses or whatnot. But, Mm -hmm. you know, someone had so much drugs in their trunk. And uh, the way the federal law laws work are there's sentencing guidelines and, and mandatory minimums. Right. And so the law's really messed up. And so mm-hmm. there'd be people that get 20 years mandatory minimum sentences for just having some drugs on them, which right. I, I think is actually pretty crazy. So I think the, the terms that were being handed down between the 80s and now were pretty over the top. Right. And it led to a lot of people just kind of getting thrown away in federal prison forever. Mm. Have you heard of a book called The New Jim Crow? No. Basically, there's a book and it's about how instead of, you know, being overtly like racist, which is impossible, you really can't get away with this now, cops and the justice system, and I'm sure this isn't the first time you've heard this, does it in the way of like incarcerating, you know, black people mostly all the time. And I wonder what percentage of the people that you were spending time with in jail were in fact black. I mean, a good, good portion. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think what's even the bigger issue, which that is a big issue was the socioeconomic backgrounds of the people that were there. These are, you know, part part of the realization that I had that was, like, really profound was I definitely knew I came from, like, a privileged background, right? Growing up in Beverly Hills, like, right. immediately you would think, like, wow, like, you know. Right. So I I knew I grew up privileged in that way, and I was, I was obviously very thankful. But the people that I was meeting were, they were just fighting to survive. Right. Like, they all had, like, gunshot wounds and... Mm had to deal drugs jail was not a big deal for them right like going in and out of prison for five ten year sentences right like go in five years come out a year or two go back in for five or ten like that was just life and actually jail gave them kind of a sense of comfort so it was kind of like it was insane to kind of to see that that contrast of have and have nots but but it's way, I think, more profound than most people realize that most Americans are fighting to survive. Yeah, agreed. Um, and like no one usually who's selling drugs wants to be selling drugs. I, I just saw no. What no, I mean, just think about, you know, being a lot of the, a lot of my friends grew up. Their fathers were gone. Their mm-hmm. mothers were prostituting or selling drugs. Mm-hmm. They were in a new house all the time. Right. And so imagine being raised with that kind of structure in place. Yeah. And then, I mean, forget school. Are you kidding me? Like when that's going on and there's no one helping you with your school and then you're going to a school that's overcrowded with, you know, teachers that really don't probably care. Gangs, as I got to realize, were, it was the Boy Scouts. That's exactly how they referred to it. You know, it wasn't like, hey, you'd enter in a gang. It was like, these were, this was your new fatherhood. This was your new family. And it was based on like your street. It was the people who lived on your street and on your block and they were protecting each other. So Mm. it's kind of crazy to think about 
the world that I came in, but then the world that I got introduced to yeah, it's, and it's interacting insane. with people with these stories that became my right. close friends, right. just kind of put things in perspective. And I never had the ability to, to meet anyone like that, to be honest with you. For sure. You know, my friends were made up of kids that I grew up going to school with. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I felt like my perspective grew in such a big way. And, right. And I don't know, just having more diversity um, yeah, I was going to say, it's like in a, in a fucked up way, you know, it's a blessing that you, it's, I, I'm sure it wish, I wish it had happened under different circumstances, but it's a blessing that someone like I, you, I struggle with that sometimes. I think back, I'm like, do I wish it never happened or do I kind of look back and appreciate that it happened? I don't know if appreciate is the word, but understand that it happened because it was meant to happen, not because you were meant to be punished, but so you no, I, were meant I, yeah, to I, I, I see. open no, I, up the friends that you have, not just yourself, to these things. I honestly thinking, like looking back, I couldn't see it. And it, I actually look at my life in a lot of ways and I couldn't see a lot of things happening yeah. any other way. Right. And it feels like right. You know? 100%. I mean, this is like, you know, a nothing story in comparison to that. But I also grew up in a bubble on the Upper East Side of the city um, and like, you know, mostly around Jews. And when I graduated from college, I worked at an urban magazine downtown. And, you know, it was it was like all my friends there were black and, and Hispanic or Asian and like, you know, some white people, obviously. But I remember I went to lunch one day with one of my friends who's black and he he was leaving after and he's like, you know, do you mind getting me a cab? And this was like right before Uber. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, just put your hand up, you know? And he was like, no, you don't like, they don't stop for me. And I, I had heard that back in the day, but I was like, that's not fucking true. Like that's bullshit, you know? And he was like, okay, watch. And he put his hand up and three available cabs passed him. And that's such a minor, minor thing. But not having a friend like him, you have no idea, you know, like you have no idea because you only experience the other side of that. No, but then you felt that actually. Yeah, I felt it. You went went through that experience with them. So now you can relate. Exactly. And it's unfortunate that when, you know, our friends were not as inclusive and we don't have really a larger perspective on life right? that we end up really like looking at things very one dimensional for sure. And it's not really anyone's fault, you know, it's just that. No, but we could put ourselves, I don't want to get into like who said this, but you yeah. know, I heard someone once tell me about how your economics and money ends up creating a lot of separation. Right. right? So as you start building wealth, Mm-hmm. What do we do is we like end up kind of creating more space between each other. Right. I mean, think about it in the form of when you have no money, you're in high density apartment buildings stacked on top of people right. in very little space. Like the and more money you, you have, the lonelier you get. Well, you just end up creating more and space. More you end up literally in every form mm-hmm. from like the restaurants to the flights you take. Right. And you're creating more space between you and the have nots. Right. Right. And I think it's like important that, you know, when you are kind of raised in a scenario or a situation where you were given like great luxury that you create scenarios for yourself where you do interact, whether that's giving back. Like I'll tell you, I wasn't raised 
to go on Thanksgiving and feed the homeless Mm -hmm. or like those weren't those weren't things necessarily that were instilled on me. I I picked up on that stuff just as I got older because it was meaningful to me. But I feel like we can create more opportunities to, you know, to just I don't know, to interact with a broader set of people. I mean, look, you doing this show is Right. right. Like, I don't know your past past people that you've had on but it's no, a great way sure. of, of trying to interact with definitely you know, diverse a, 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 a yeah diverse group of people yeah no i completely agree and i think that you know it's up to people like you and me who have been fortunate enough to have experiences and you know it's up to us to when we have our own families to instill that like listen you know we're all the, on the same level we're all friends like i want you to go out of your way to talk to people that are different than you. You know, my cousin right now is at a public school across the street from my apartment and she interacts with every single person, you know, and she's actually adopted from Mexico herself. And she's just like, has this amazing ability to understand everyone's situation. And I really commend my uncle for that, for sending her to a school like that instead of isolating just because they had the means to and sending her to some, you know, private school that was not diverse at all. And like, it's tough. It's tough, you know, to make those decisions. But I think it really does pay off to have someone like a child that you look up to almost, you know? Yeah, definitely. For sure. So just to pivot, because we only have a few minutes left, to make this kind of about dating again, did you ever have a woman that you dated like judge you for your experience? Mm, I don't know. I think most people are actually intrigued by the situation. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, how extensive your dating life was before right. being in your current relationship. Right. Turn it around on you for a minute. <laughs> um, but I think it's it's always nice to kind of meet someone with, a profound experience that you can learn from. And I think a lot of times I, I don't know, I I would sometimes get stuck not feeling very inspired by a lot of the dates I would go on. Right. It's funny you say that because I definitely, you know, since you did turn it around, I was always intrigued by someone who went through a profound experience. So to give you an example, like I, you know, I dated someone and his father had recently passed. And instead of me being freaked out by that, I thought that that was incredible that he had, not incredible that his dad had passed, no, obviously, I, I get what you're saying. but that he had gone through something that was, you know, a real life experience. Well, you see how people deal with those situations. Right. And then you also see how you show up for people, right? I mean, I think as we get older, we experience friendship in such a different way. For sure. Right? Like I'm a lot of my friends are my childhood friends. Mm-hmm. When you know when you're little kids, like the way you're interacting and hanging out, you're watching movies, like, you know, that's what's important. And then you're right. getting older and, you know, life changes. And then once you become an adult, like real life things start happening, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's those things and how people show up for you that I think is is telling of like real friendships. I agree. So on that note, this has been really, really great. I, I feel you made me feel like a real interviewer because you had a real story and it's amazing. So thank you for that. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And thanks for my me undies. So we usually end the podcast with a piece of advice or a quote that you've learned throughout the years that has been helpful to you that you can share with our listeners. A piece of advice. Or, could be dating related. Quote. It could be life advice. Yeah. So, bit of advice. I would say 
one thing I've been kind of learning recently is to pay more attention to, since this is a dating show, pay more attention to the qualities that I like and dislike when I'm in a relationship. Mm -hmm. So, you know, from a previous relationship, what were the things that really stuck out about the person that I appreciated and what was potentially not there and not turning a blind eye to those things because I think far too often we just kind of like jump right into the next thing Mm -hmm. without taking a second to be like, no, like what did I really actually appreciate about this person? And and actually apply that to the next person that, you know, you want to f- date potentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually really love that. And I think that's a perfect quote for this podcast because we always talk about, you know, overlooking very usually clear red flags. And I always tell people to make a list of those qualities that you that you did like. So, And I think what's even just to end it, it's what's interesting is how much it changes. Because mm. as you start evolving different things become important to you right and you'll actually potentially date someone you know like in my situation that could be very spiritual and and you could have a spiritual awakening and in that way like you know what was potentially you know attractive to you six months before now is completely different you know for sure so i think it's it's really really key um to being happy i think going forward and long term I agree. And um, thank you so much for your time and for coming on. Um, John, uh, can I call you Shoke? Yeah. Shoke only had like an hour of his little stay in New York and he spent it here. So we really appreciate you. No, thank you. And um, please let our listeners know where to find me undies and if they can follow you on Instagram, what your handle is. Yeah, my handle is just at S-H-O-K-1, Shoke1. And MeUndies, obviously, just go to MeUndies.com and I'll try and uh, get you guys a promo code to maybe give out to your uh, listeners. Perfect. Love it. Yeah, that I'm pretty sure my listeners would die for that. So definitely let me know. All right. Well, thanks. Cool. Thank you so much. And thanks for listening, everyone. Follow us at We Met at Acme. Write us a review in the podcast app. And thank you so much. Hope everyone has a good one.